0: Good morning, how are we this morning? Are we tired, quiet? Yeah, you know, is God good? Okay, well at least we agree on that this morning. So, uh, good morning Life Point. we're just excited to have you with us this morning again. Uh, today we're going to continue in our two-week series on the Lord's Prayer, and just digging into scripture and figuring out what that kind of means and what Jesus kind of set us up for. If you remember last Sunday, before we were left, I gave you kind of a challenge of, to say in whatever circumstance you find yourself in this week or last week, that you would run first to God, that you would make him the priority over whatever else um, you might be thinking to do instead. And this challenge came out of our understanding of prayer, the why, why we serve God, when we have a relationship with him, Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but it also came out of this idea of motivation. What is your heart motivation for prayer? Why are you praying in the first place? What does your heart look like inside? We learned our motivation should be to seek God's will, not our own, to gain God's wisdom and a perspective that's not our own. And we acknowledge that we are dependent as believers upon God. We also learned that we should not babble or pray on to idols um, like pagans do. But we also know that God knows our needs. But if he knows our needs, then why do we pray? Well, we pray because sometimes God doesn't answer until we do to show our dependence upon him. We also learned about finding a place without distractions where you could go and talk with God. I've once heard it put this way, and it's always kind of stuck in my head, that you need as a believer to find your space and place. Find your space and your place. You know, I told you last week that I have been blessed to have this closet that I can put this amazingly comfy chair in, shut the door, and my kids can't find me, and have that place with God. And we do that to find the, the freedom, right, that we can express to God. And then we talked about, well, then we don't pray in public, obviously. If Jesus tells us to go to our closet, well, we learn that... The closet was about the only room with a door back then, and it's really about finding your space and place. And we learned that public prayer is very appropriate when practiced with the right motives, but that public prayer should be the overflow from your life of your own personal private prayer life. Right? It should be that joy and overflow that you find. Lastly, we, we learned about the importance of taking the long view in prayer. We don't always have the big picture, right? We don't know everything that God knows. So some prayers are not answered or not answered in the way we think they should be. I was thinking this week, and it reminded me of the game telephone, or, you know, where you whisper something in somebody's ear, and then by the end of it, the other person's supposed to say, right? And oftentimes, that never ended up the right way, right? It's not meant to. But that person at the end never had the context or the... um, the bigger picture of what that person at the beginning was saying, right? So just because you have us perspective doesn't mean that you understand all of God's perspective. For believers, I think we have to remember that uh, sometimes God has chosen not to reveal some stuff, and He's allowed to do that. So so this morning we're going to dive into the heart and model of prayer. Um, a little bit more on our text and stuff. So our bottom line this morning is, uh, if, you've, if you're new to LifePoint, our bottom line is basically just the one main thought, one main idea we're going to try to kind of center in on. And this morning is on the Lord's Prayer, it is, the Lord's Prayer teaches us to recenter our hearts on God's purposes, not ours. So if you want to open your Bibles this morning or get out your phones, we're going to spend time in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 to 15. You can also read um, on the screen behind me as well. So we'll read together. Um, And so this is set up uh, in the Luke version of the Lord's Prayer. The disciples, if you remember, tell Jesus that, how do we pray? Teach us to pray. So Jesus answers like this, and starting in Matthew in verse 9, he says, Then pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's kind of the steps of prayer. And then 14 and 15, we'll see where they add on. And they say, for if you forgive others' trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So there's kind of two sections we can look at when we look at this whole kind of this prayer and how we pray. And they're the acknowledging that God and his plan is first and acknowledging then our need for him. And in acknowledging God and his plan, let's recap verse 9. We talked a little bit about it last week, but because it's kind of in that condensed section of how we pray, let's just go over it real fast. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Who are we praying to? We talked about last week that we're praying to our Father. So that means you have to have a relationship with Jesus. That means that you have to have a relationship with God. Your relationship with God comes through a relationship with Jesus who died for you on the cross, was buried and rose again to be with the Father, right? So if you don't have that basis, then what, why, why are we praying, right? Who are we praying to? You also have to ex- realize that your Father exists in heaven and that his name is to be hallowed. And we finally drilled down last week on what hallowed name meant and kind of came to this um, definition. To hallow something is to make it the most important thing in your life. It is to worship it. So... If we are to hallow God, that means he should be the most important thing in your life, and you are to worship him. So there's our recap on verse 9. So we know that we need to pray to God, we have to have a relationship with him, and he needs to be the first priority in our life. Then verse 10 comes along and says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we acknowledge that we pray to God, our Father. He's the most important thing. Then we acknowledge that his kingdom come and his will be done. So let's think about this. So your kingdom come is based on the idea that the assurance that God will fulfill his covenant promises with his people. The prayer part of this and why it's included in the prayer is that the request will be accomplished today on earth as it is being accomplished in heaven that is fully and willfully. It has been said to pray your kingdom come is to ask God the Father to expand his rule over the territory of our hearts and lives. To pray your will be done is to express our willingness to submit to whatever his rule is and the cost. Think about that for a minute. As we grow as believers, are we willing to submit more and more to what God has for us? Or... Do we still want to go our own way at whatever that cost is? We need to recenter our hearts. Blomberg put it this way the first half of the prayer focuses exclusively on God and his agenda. As believers adore, worship, and submit to his will before they introduce your own petitions. So the idea that we submit to God first, we recenter our hearts. Do you ever have one of those days? Or do you ever use that terminology? I think we hear it a lot in society today that like you up to somebody and they're like, hey, how's your day going? Oh, it's just one of those days, right? It's super frustrating. Things are not going your way. It's exhausting. All of those things are happening at once. And you're just like, it's just one of those days. One of the things I've learned in my life is that Oftentimes, those moments are a signal for for us to recenter our hearts. It's a time for you to stop. It's a time for you to pray. It's a time for you to recenter your heart on God's purpose. You can pray for the frustration and need, but you start with God first. You start with his purposes. God's, what's your will in this? What is your purpose through this? Right? Then you can pray for your need. Recenter your heart. If you remember last week Dave early put it this way about prayer. True prayer not only speaks but it also listens. Prayer connects us with God and God knows everything. When we listen in prayer God gives us insight into important matters. Suddenly we have a fresh perspective on a complex situation. This fresh perspective comes from you recentering on God's purpose recentering on God. What What is he asking of you? What is, what is happening in your life? What is causing you to have either frustration, joy, whatever it might be in you? Are you recentering on God, right? So we know that we find a relationship with God first. That's who we're praying to. We know that we need to center ourselves. We know we need to find God's will and purpose, right? What is his purpose for prayer? Then we acknowledge our own needs. And this comes through the next part, which is just give us this day our daily bread. So it's expressing to God our needs, the different, and this is different from wants. Needs are dependent upon God. Wants are things we want, like a Lamborghini, which I will never get. I should say never say never, but anyway, um, there's, <laughs> there's difference dependence. On, I don't think Terry knew how to uh, translate Lamborghini, so it um, <laughs> wasn't in my notes. Uh, we uh, have a perfect example, though, of this in the Old Testament. If you remember, when Israel's in the wilderness, God is providing manna from heaven, but most of the time, he's, he's not providing a week's worth, right? He's providing a day's worth of food, right? So they were daily dependent upon God. And I get, like, living in the U.S., We most of us live in, in a life has afforded us our need that we're not praying every night for God to deliver food to us, right? We're not, you know, we go to the refrigerator, there's something in there. We go to the cupboard, there's something in there. There's resources that you can get it. And this is more than just about bread, it's about your needs. But at that context, it was about bread, right? It was about eating. And I thought it was put this way, and I thought it was so perfect. If God provided for a whole people through 40 years of landless wandering and unemployment, because obviously they weren't employed in the middle of wilderness, how much more should we trust him for our basic needs? If Israel's gonna wander around in the wilderness for 40 years and God provides them food and all of those things. I think as a people though, we need to acknowledge how blessed we are in America, right? Is there a time in your life when you were really experienced a dependence on God for your basic needs? I don't know, for some of us there may be, for some of us there might not be. You know, for me personally, I grew up in a middle class family I didn't have a lot of, like, I didn't have any needs that weren't met. I had lots of wants, I'm sure, that I wanted as a child. Um, I do remember when I got to college, though, um, towards the end of the month, because I had to work through college and things like that, so towards the end of the month, money always got a little short, right? And I remember that my basic need was met by... Lots of Top Ramen. And, you know, I remember when you could get it for, like, if you saw, like, a special of, like, seven for a dollar, it was like you hit, like, the jackpot, and it was like, yes! It's under a quarter a package. I can do so well, right? And so to put it into context, sometimes I think he also provides for some of your needs in other ways as well. Um, An example for me is that... uh, when uh, In 2008, when Kelsey and I decided that uh, God was calling um, us into ministry and I was going to go off to seminary, and so we quit our lucrative jobs and packed everything we owned and sold a bunch of stuff and moved halfway across the country. And, uh, you know, Kelsey worked a job, but, like, you know, it was definitely not enough you know, we barely scraped by to make our rent and all of those kind of things. Obviously, we had food and, and we could do that. But one thing we were lacking as married people was a date night. And so we had to figure out how this looked now, right? Because we couldn't just go out to Applebee's even, right, for a date night. And uh, so God blessed us um, with an opportunity. So we, um, somebody had given us this coupon, um, to Sonic. And why we don't have Sonic in Montana, that's a whole other question that is totally wrong. But anyway, um, we got this coupon and it was buy one, get one free. And I remember when we got it, we're like, we could go on a date. We could go to Sonic and then we could go to like a park and like have this need of, you know, time together fulfilled. Right. And The thing was is there was like only so many things on this. They were supposed to like peel these stickers off, right? And we always ended up going through the drive-through like when the manager was working. And I'd hand them the card, and the first time I didn't think anything about it, I just took it back. The second time we went, like they didn't take off the stickers. And I'm like, and so the second time I say, you didn't take off the sticker. And they were like, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm like, you realize I'm going to keep using this until you take off these stickers. And they're like they're like, we understand. We're guessing. It was right at the base of our seminary. So like he was basically like, I'm pretty sure that you're a poor college kid. So I'm gonna take pity on you and your wife sitting and you sitting next to you. So God meets our needs, but it may not be expectantly. Like we weren't doing like candlelight dinners at some fancy French restaurant or something. Not that I've ever been there, but you know. You think about those things. So, back to our text. God wants to provide for all your needs, right? And, and it's important for us to understand the context too, right? Because the Lord here in the context is it was one day at a time, right? In that century, it was a precarious lifestyle. You often got paid for your day's work. So, yep, you work today. Here's your money. Now go buy food for your family or whatever you need to do, right? Right? If you got ill for a few days, like that could spell like tragedy for you, right? And your whole family. So for us today, we do have needs and we might have food needs as well, but we have other needs, but God's trying to focus you in on your needs, not your wants, right? Then he moves on and says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Forgive us, Lord, and forgive those who have wronged us. And this is where verses 14 and 15 come into play. They're actually a reminder, an extra emphasis. And they say, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive the trespasses of others, neither will your Father forgive yours. Whoa. And many of us, I would say, and I'd include myself, you know, forgiveness is a hard topic. It's easy to oftentimes ask God for forgiveness. It's not oftentimes easy to ask our friends sometimes for forgiveness. And to actually forgive someone is even harder, right? But first, let's talk about what forgiveness means here. So forgiveness in this passage is not the penalty of sin. This is not about your eternity. This is not about your salvation. That is what Jesus does for you on the cross. This is about, they would classify it as what's called parental forgiveness. It's about your fellowship with God. Are you right with him, right? He knows everything anyway. You need to confess it. You might as well confess it to him. So your relationship with God is maintained, right? So we're asking God to forgive us, the acknowledgement that we do still sin through our life, right? We still make mistakes, but we also have to forgive others. And often, we often struggle here with this forgiveness of others part. We can go into our closet, we can pray to God, we can bear our soul, but to forgive others is hard, C.S. Keener put it this way. If we truly embrace the principle of grace in God's forgiveness, we must also extend it to our fellow servants who are equal worth in his sight. If we truly embrace the principle of grace in God's forgiveness, we must truly extend it to our fellow servants who are equal worth in his sight. This can be tough for many of us. But for your relationship with God through prayer to be right, you need to forgive others. And as Christians, we should even more so because we know the grace and we've been forgiven, right? Next, we pray for protection. And so we learn about, uh, lead us not into temptation, right? This is acknowledging our dependence on God, right? We know in James chapter one and verses 12 and 13 that God doesn't tempt anyone. That's not his job, but he does put you through trials, And testing, and I think it helps us understand that it isn't our own strength that we resist temptations, but it's the power of God in us, right? It's God who helps us. One commentator put it this way, that oftentimes when we should pray around protection is, God, don't let us succumb to the temptations we have, right? Don't let us succumb. And the last part is, deliver us from evil. This is a heart cry, right? Deliver us from any evil that happens, right? Help us. Help us not sin. Help us to be your light, Lord. And to really be immersed in who you are, right? So, now that we've gone through those verses, what do we do with this? You now know that, let's see, you need to have a relationship with God, You need to pray about his kingdom, his will, all of those things, right? We know that we have needs that need to be met. We know that we want to be protected from temptation. And we know we got to forgive, right? I didn't do this in the right order. But those are kind of your things. So how do you boil that down? Well, I think it's easier when you have an acronym, or at least for me it is. So I remember this. This uh, reminded me um, or stuck with me for a long time. It's, uh, I learned it in a seminary from a guy named Dr. Dave Early. Um, he also wrote it in his book, um, Prayer, the Secret to High Impact Leadership. Um, and it's just called "Tax: Pray with tacks. Now, don't grab a, hand, a handful of thumbtacks and put them in your hand and pray with them. Even though that's probably not that funny, but it was a funnier in my head. Um, but use the acronym TAX, Pray with TAX, T A C S. So we're gonna pray with thanksgiving, adoration, confession, and supplication. So, first, thanksgiving is verbalizing the attitude of gratitude, right? How does that change your heart and recenter you when you thank God for what you already have? It's expressing to God his generosity, saying thank you for specific things that have happened. It's also an indication of humility, and it is the cure for complaining. We see this with Paul throughout his letters. In Colossians 1.3, for example, he says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Paul already started that, right? He knew what to do. We thank God first. Then we have adoration, right? So we say, which is also known as praise often, right? We see this in verse 9 of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But David understood this as well through Psalms, right? In Psalm 9, verses 1 to 2, I give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I recount your wonderful deeds. I will be glad to exalt you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So thanksgiving, thankful for what you have, re-centers your heart. Adoration, we are amazed at who God is and what God does. We praise him for everything that has happened. So our hearts are re-centered because then we move on to confession, right? Confessing sin can be defined this way, is agreeing with God about the existence and seriousness of your sin, Confessing sin is agreeing with God about the existence and seriousness of your sin. As Christians, we like to rank, I think it's in our nature, in our heads often we try to rank sin, that it, well, I'm not as bad as X over here, or I've never done that. It's still a heart problem you have, right? Whether you told your coworker a little light lie or... Or there Now, your consequences may be different, obviously, right? But it's still sin. It's still permeating your heart, right? It's not enough to let the Lord examine our hearts and show us sin. I think a lot of times we could stop there and say, okay, yep, God, I know it. Yep, you showed me this in our quiet time, whatever. We need, must take the next step and let our sorrow over that sin lead us to confess it. We must take the next step and let the sorrow over our sin lead us to confess it. Not excuse it, not rationalize it, not blame it on somebody else, but confess it. So do you see how your heart recenters itself on God's purposes when these things happen? So you do some thanksgiving, you do some adoration, you let it all out in freedom of Christ through confessing it. And then lastly, of tax, we have supplication. We can pray for the needs, our needs, or the needs of others. Give us our day, our daily bread, right? The concept of casting your cares on God, letting the Lord supply your needs. But remember back to the beginning, what is the motivation behind that? Is this for God's will and God's purposes to be done or for your purposes to be done? Remember that. We know we pray not to be seen by others, but we commune by talking with God and listening. We find our space and place, that distraction-free, hopefully phone-free, tablet-free, whatever, electronic-free thing away, which provides us the freedom to express it to God. He's the one who knows it all. We know that in order to pray, first we need to have a relationship through Jesus. We need to worship him. Then we thank and praise him. We don't babble on. We express our dependence upon him. Then we center our hearts for him and his will and purpose. Then we ask him to meet our needs and protect us. So, if you'd stand with me this morning, we're going to take some time called a moment of invitation. We're, we're just going to recenter our hearts. We're just going to take a moment to say, God, what are you doing? What are you thinking? The first question I have for you today is, what needs to change in your prayer life today? Right? What needs to change? Something about how you're praying? Do you need to add some thanksgiving or some adoration? Confess a bit more? Add some prayers for others through supplication? What needs to change in your prayer life today? Do you need to find just a space and place? Maybe where you pray, it's really noisy and you can't hear. Or maybe you just need to start. I don't know what that is. Maybe you just need to take time in your life or in different situations to recenter yourselves, to stop in the moment and say, God, I need you, you know, that I want your purpose, your will to be done throughout whatever I'm going through, right? Maybe it's to just acknowledge you're dependent upon God, not your own control and your own will this morning. I don't know what God is stirring in your heart this morning, but I pray that you would call it out to him, that you would just let him know, that you would just pray to him in whatever way. Father, we just thank you for your wisdom. Lord, that uh, Jesus, that you taught your disciples how to pray and why we pray, that we come to you, Father, acknowledging that we have a relationship with you through your son, that your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, not our will. Lord, that we forgive, we ask for forgiveness, and we forgive others through it all. We show them the grace you've showed us. We pray for protection. We pray for temptation not to raise its head, that we would run to you in those times. Lord, that we just love you. We just thank you. May we recenter ourselves in prayer and may we run to you first always. Lord, we give you this week. We give you our lives. We give you this day. May you supply our needs each day. May we walk with you more fervently than we ever have. And may we just be a light of grace in a world that so desperately needs hope today. Father, we just give you all these things in your precious name and all God's people said, amen. This morning, uh, why don't you have a seat for me real fast before we uh, end. Uh, I'm going to invite Jason and Tara Stofer up, and they are going to share with you some life group updates.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, Again, my name is Jason Stouffer. This is my wife, Dara. We've had the privilege of uh, being a part of Life Groups and just kind of heading that up uh, in the last session. And uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the next coming session and kind of what that's going to look like. Um, So if you've been a part of Life Groups before, um, I'm sure you have some great stories about you know, how that's impacted you and the, con- the, the connectivity that you know, it brings in a different way than maybe it would on Sunday mornings And so we just kind of want to encourage you um, To consider being a part of that um, by facilitating or leading um, this next this next session um, Maybe that'll end up looking like just hosting so uh, We want to be able to provide uh, some information for you about how to plug in and how to connect um, for us, that's um, really been a big part of our family and our life and our story um, as we've kind of moved around and, you know, been in so many different places. It's really brought it down to a personal level and really created some friendships um, that we really wouldn't have um, if we hadn't plugged in that way. So, um, uh, for the next session, you know, we want to make you aware of some dates and some upcoming uh, Points of connection to um, kind of learn more about what that would look like at this point. It's not a commitment It's just you know, maybe you want to know more. Maybe you want to get some details on whether that's a good fit for you um, So, you know, again, that's just also an opportunity to sur- uh, serve and support one another uh, In a way that you know is really unique when you get down to a smaller group eight or ten people um, Life groups really um, we have a couple of core goals in being a part of a life group uh, really, it's to learn, learn to apply scripture to our lives. It's really to take, you know, Sunday's message and walk through some questions. And in fact, they're provided for you. So it's really, it's really uh, easy, really straightforward. Um, and, um, you know, really, if you can take part in a conversation and just ask questions and keep people moving forward, um, that's really facilitating a life group. Um, we also have a goal of building relationships with one another, right? Coming together and uh, sharing life. You know, and then lastly, to pray and care for one another, right? Um, you know, during the weeks that we're meeting, uh, you know, life is happening for everybody in that group. And sometimes that, you know, requires us to come around and support and pray for one another, care for one another in special ways. So it's really great to go through life having a group of people that are there for you and kind of walking through their walk in Christ um, alongside one another. So.
0: Hi, I'm Tara, and I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about just how you can be involved. So the first way you can get involved is to host a group. Um, This is just inviting people into your home um, for the group to meet in. The other way is to facilitate a group. This is, you're gonna ask questions, kinda guide the discussion, um, and that's facilitating. You can do both. Some groups do both, some split it up, and one hosts and one facilitates. Um, So if you're interested in this, we have a training on February 9th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's a Tuesday evening. Also, we're looking to begin groups the week of February 21st. So you can sign up for the training online at our website, um, lifepointmt.org. Thank you, guys. So we encourage you to get involved, whether you hope uh, host a life group, facilitate a life group, whatever it might be, um, or just join a group. We'd love to do that. So thanks for joining us this morning. We pray that you have a great week, and we'll see you next week.